stand and let's make our confession tonight. You know, confession is a, a part of uh, God's principles for us. Um, you know, we believe in Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10, it says that we believe in our heart and we, con- we what? Confess with our mouth. And then it says in verse 10 that confession is, salvation is made by our confessing. You know, it's, it's, we have to believe, but we also have to speak what we believe. And so in this church, we determined we're going to speak what we believe at the very beginning of every message. So we make sure we're all on the same page. Amen. So let's say this. You can repeat after me. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Just that simple. You can be seated. I know that, um, you know, it seems a simple message, but I've never read in the word of God when people were obedient to God that he did not complete his word. He always operates his word in our lives when we're obedient to what he tells us to do. So um, last week I started a series uh, on Wednesday nights uh, called A Church on Fire. Felt that I was to do this. I've really taught a lot out of the book of Acts over the years, especially once I was born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, You know, if you don't have something then and you've never experienced it, then there can be questioning about is it real or is it not real? But how many of you, once you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, begin to let that river flow out of your life, how many of you know that nobody can tell you it's not real? But but I got saved one day and filled with the Holy Ghost the next day before anybody could tell me that it wasn't the right thing. Now, after I got it, I had a lot of people tell me it wasn't the right thing, but I'd already experienced the power of God, experienced the anointing of God. And, you know, the Word of God becomes more real to us as we experience the Word of God. And we experience the Word of God by faith. It's not something that we get to have before we believe. We have to believe before we have it, just like our salvation. We couldn't really uh, have the Spirit of God alive in us until we said yes to the Lord, just like tonight some people raised their hands. I don't know who that was. Maybe you were just uh, saying, you know, I need prayer in my life, or I need to, I've been making some mistakes, and I want to get things right with God. We cannot receive what we want to receive and release faith until we have Jesus in our heart, because we have nothing to have faith in. I remember uh, before I was born again, um, you know, I went to church. I said the Apostles' Creed, which in the Methodist Church we said every Sunday. Um, You know, I I said I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I didn't even know what the Holy Catholic Church believed. But I confessed it. Everybody say confessed it. But the day I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, something changed in my life. And God began to do a work in my life. I believe that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church that Jesus died for, the people that Jesus died for, the church is merely people. It's people. That's what makes up the church. But he died so that we could live. He gave his life so we could live and live life abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. Now, when I look at the gospels, I see abundant life. I see people who are sick being healed. I see people who are controlled by demonic strongholds in their life being delivered. How many of you know that's life? That's life. If you've ever been sick and there's no answer except the Lord heals you, then that answer becomes life to you. 
And uh, really, in my life, I've never experienced what some people have in sickness, where they get a report of uh, that they're terminally ill. But I have been in places in my life where I needed God to restore me and to make me whole again. And the Spirit of God on the inside of us can bring life to us. It can restore and make us whole. And it does that by just being in our life. You know, the Holy Spirit changes things in us from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so uh, we confess what we believe. We don't just confess like I did as a young person. I just confessed what they told me to. I, you know, somebody said, this is what we say. And I said it. I didn't even know what it meant. But once I got born again, I began to confess what I believed. How many of you know that makes a difference? And so when we begin to believe the truth of the word of God over the years, you know, um, I, I've heard people challenge the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've heard people say that the gifts of the spirit and, and praying in the Holy Ghost is of the devil. I've heard people say that all of that ended uh, in the book of Acts. I, I don't believe that because I've experienced seeing people delivered from alcoholism. I've experienced people in wrong lifestyles being set free and never returning to those lifestyles. I've seen the Lord deliver and I've seen him save and I've seen him heal. Therefore, I do not believe that it's over. Isn't that good news? Now, if you were terminally sick tonight and I said that, you would really shout glory. You would. Uh, you know, if you were in a situation where you were totally hopeless and I said to you and you and you're, you know, you're like that woman who brought her son who threw himself in the fire all the time and God delivered that son. How many of you know that would be life? I believe that's still real. I believe that's still the way God operates. I believe it's the way he wants the church to operate. And so uh, when I first felt to teach this, I get excited because I love the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, when I would lead worship and I would be singing, I would hear the Holy Spirit say, go this way. And I would go that way. And I would see signs, wonders, and miracles in people's lives. I would see people begin to weep. I begin to see them get set free. I've seen it when we've traveled around the, you know, to different places in the world. I believe the Holy Spirit has a voice to speak into us. I believe God did that for us. And I believe he wants us to experience that every day, 24-7. So as we looked at the book of Acts last week, I began to talk about the history of the Holy Spirit. Because if you look at the word of God, he was there in the beginning. Everybody say in the beginning. In the beginning, in Genesis 1, it says that God was there and the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth. And uh, so he's in the very beginning of the book, along with Jesus. Because when God said, let us make man in our image he was talking about the trinity in the in the image of god in the image of who jesus is and the holy spirit is the one who produces that on the inside of us an image that is beyond who we are and uh, you know i believe god wants our lives to look so different that when people see us they see something they want you know, um, I, maybe you've experienced that. I've experienced that sometimes in places where you just, people, the Holy Spirit just directs people to you that need what you have. And it's not you, it's not about you, but it's about what's on the inside of you. And the Spirit of God directs those people 
to that, just like he did in the Gospels to Jesus. And so as I was looking at how the Holy Spirit uh, has talked about, it says um, that when Jesus was birthed, the Holy Spirit was there. In the very conception of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was there. It says the Holy Spirit was there, and the Spirit of God overshadowed Mary. And then she carried the Holy One. Uh, You see the Holy Spirit in the book of Matthew when John the Baptist said, "I, I come to baptize you in water for repentance, but there is one who is coming. Everybody say, one who is coming. Who will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost and fire. I don't believe he spoke that without a, the anointing of God with a purpose because in the book of Acts, Jesus said, wait until you have received power. Everybody say power. And when that power was received in Acts chapter 2, there were, uh, it says it appeared, everybody say appeared as, tongues of fire. I believe it was so that word by John the Baptist was fulfilled in that upper room on that day as tongues of fire. They spoke in another language. Men heard the wonderful works of God from those men and women who were speaking in that other language. And God began a work of creating or empowering, uh, the word says, empowering a people, ordinary people. Turn to your neighbor and say that you're one of those. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ordinary people, you know, there used to be songs about ordinary people. Well, you know, we're ordinary people. Um, You know, sometimes uh, I hear, you know, Mary, even Mary, you know, lifted up like she's was someone way above anybody else. But the Bible doesn't say that says she was just a young woman that God called to carry his son. And she wasn't anybody special. We're not anybody special. But with the Holy Spirit. We are anointed vessels of the most high God, walking with the power and authority to see things be changed in the earth where we live, wherever that is. We are influencers. Everybody say influencers. And last week, the two words that God gave me to share when I shared last week, and I didn't get all the way done. We're going to pick up with Acts 5 tonight. But just an overview of Acts 1 through 4, uh, when Jesus spoke, um, you go and you wait. Everybody say wait. Until you have received this power to become witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. You know, um, when, when we witness, it's just like what Brad shared on the offering. When Peter went to Cornelius's house, he, he went in there and he didn't uh, tell them how bad they were. He didn't tell them this is sin and this is not sin. He told them who God was and he told them who Jesus was. And in that speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. And they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like that. Why? Because when you lift up the wonderful works of God, the power of God comes. And God said, you will ha- Jesus said, you will have to wait in that upper room until you're endued with power. And once you're endued with that power, then you will become witnesses. It, then Peter himself, you know, Peter's the one who had denied Christ. And, and here in the book of Acts, suddenly Peter is standing up being the leader of the whole thing. Now, this is, a, this is the man, everybody say a man, that, you know, alongside Christ in the Gospels, 
you know, he just had plenty of wisdom. I mean, he even had wisdom for Jesus a couple of times. And so, you know, he knew a lot. But when it came to being a witness for who Jesus was, he denied him. So he, he couldn't witness. He could not witness. But once he gets in the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit falls, he stands up and says, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied. And he suddenly becomes the leader and knows everything that is supposed to be said and becomes a, uh, a pillar in the church, which Jesus had said back in Matthew chapter 16. He said, upon this rock, Peter's name meant rock. He wasn't saying, I'm going to build a church on Peter. He said, I'm going to build a church upon what Peter knows. Amen? And when he built that church, everybody say, a church. Jesus said, I'm going to build a church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against that church. Well, how's that going to happen? The gates of hell have been prevailing against religion all those years until Jesus died on Calvary and defeated the devil. You know, I, I had this thought today. I never have had it before, and I thought, God, that's really good. You know, there's in the deliverance for people from alcohol, and I'm not opposed to uh, the 12-step program at all uh, because I think it has its place. Uh, but it talks about a higher power, and, and people need a higher power. That higher power that they're talking about is Jesus. But nobody ever tells people there are two powers, and both of them are higher than you. And there's only one way to defeat the other power. And that is through the power of God. Because the devil does have in people who do not know Christ, he took authority over the earth when he took it from Adam. He took power. But in Christ, everybody saying Christ, that power has to submit under our power. Are you getting this? But when you don't teach people that, they don't recognize that it, they think it's just them and God. It is not just them and God. It is them and God, but there is an adversary, and his power is greater than their alcohol. Their, I mean, he is greater even than the alcohol. He drives them into addiction. And if you don't teach them that the, only the power of God can overcome that power, they will remain in that trap. Because they can know God is the higher power, but if they don't know him, him as the one who has delivered them from evil, they will never get free. There's a difference. There's a difference. And I experienced that with my uncle with, with, when he went into that rehab place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the city of faith. And he said when those people came by him, he'd been in six rehabs. This was number seven. And when those people came by him and laid hands, everybody say laid hands, and began to pray in the spirit, and down he went. He was so afraid he wouldn't fall down because everybody else was, and he thought he wouldn't fall down. He was all worried about that. Woke up 20 minutes later crying, sobbing. God did something on the inside of him. Everybody say by the power. By the power of the Holy Spirit. He was delivered from that spirit that controlled his life. And today he's still free. He only got delivered when he experienced the power of God to get rid of the power of the enemy over his life. That's the church. Everybody say that's a church. And that's the church God wants to raise up because so many people are still controlled by that power of the enemy. 
It is not greater than God's power, but it is greater than yours. Do you get this? See, when you don't teach people truth, they can never be free. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It doesn't even say set you. It says make you free. The truth on the inside of you will eventually make you free of everything that is hindering you in your life because the word has power to reproduce and to change things in a person's life. I mean, I've experienced it. I know it's true. So this church that God wants to raise up and Jesus said he would build it is birthed in the book of Acts. That's Jesus is ready to ascend to the father and he, the last instructions he gives are Acts 1.8. Now, he also said in John 14 in preparation of his leaving, he said, greater things will you do than I do because I go to the Father. You know, you'll never understand that unless you understand what Jesus did. And then you understand, oh, if I belong to him, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Everybody say the same power. Once you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. That's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's just what happens when you're born again. Because it says in Romans 8 that your spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God that you're saved. And so there's water baptism. John, John the Baptist said, I, I, I baptize people in water for repentance. Everybody say repentance. It's, a, it's an outward sign of an inward commitment. And so both of those things happen. We'll talk about later in the book of Acts. It is clear in the book of Acts that people were saved, they were water baptized, then they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they spoke with other tongues. It happens in that order. It's in the scripture in the book of Acts. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 2 and they receive, it says, you shall receive and you shall be. You have to receive before you can be. And, and we talked about that last week. So once they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the church exploded just by a witness. Everybody say a witness. Read it in Acts chapter 2. Peter got up and he spoke and he told them about Jesus and what they had done. They had killed the Son of God. Now, of course, that doesn't make everybody real happy, especially the Jewish people, because they were the ones who uh, actually put him on that cross. But he talks about how if they would repent, everybody say repent, that they would receive from God salvation. And then the church, it says, grew to 3,000 in that one message. Lord, I'd love to do that. I think I'd like to go to Purdue up on the hill and just preach it and have 3,000 people, young people at Purdue get saved. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, I believe God is going to raise people up in this last thing of God, the move of God that we're going to see that, that are going to speak a witness and listen, witnessing is not trying to convince people to receive Jesus. It is telling people the wondrous works of God, your story, somebody else's story. And while you're speaking, not because of you, but because of the anointing of God, they will receive just like these people did in the book of Acts. Um, <clears throat> this whole book, you know, you can uh, get a book by, well, anybody, John Maxwell, any of the greatest people teaching on leadership today, and you will not find a better book on how to grow a church than Book of Acts. Everybody say it's in there. You know, there's so much today about church growth and people trying to figure out ways to get people to church. 
Uh, I'm not against coffee bars and all that stuff that they do. I'm not against video games and all the things they do with kids to get them to church. But I'm telling you, you have a few people get delivered from alcohol, a few people's eyes open up, a few people grow a limb that wasn't there before. You won't have to have coffee. I mean, everybody can go for coffee afterward and talk about the wondrous works of God and get that whole restaurant fired up. So everybody say, all fired up. Now, I can really get fired up because I believe, I believe this. I expect it. You know, when you expect what God can do, he'll do it. He will do it. And so we, we read about it. Actually, uh, John 16 talks about the same thing. He'll show you things to come. I believe Peter and John, you know, when they began to walk down that street in chapter 3, and they saw that guy at the, at the gate of the temple beautiful, and they, that guy looked at them, looked at, just looked up at him. You know, there wasn't a conversation of, oh, yeah, that's the guy. You know, we heard him down the street. This guy, he couldn't get up. He was, he was a beggar. And he said, hey, you're looking at us? Hey, such as we have, we give it to you. Isn't that a big church sermon? Such as we have, we give it to you. The guy, he doesn't just say it. He grabs the guy and jerks him up. Yeah, that would have been good if he'd just fallen all back down again. That's what Christians worry about, don't we? Well, I jerk them up, but, you know, they might fall right back down, so better not do anything. He didn't think like that. Why? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit. Full. Everybody say full. And he was ready. And his witness was such as we have. The guy got up. He's dancing, praising God. And all the religious people go into a, a very upset state. Because, you know, who are these people and what are they doing? This is the church that Jesus said he would raise up. That's who this is. And so by chapter 3, uh, well, in chapter 2, they were very, up, they began to be upset. But chapter 3, you know, they finally were really upset with them. But it says they continued to preach. And as they preached, the church grew to 5,000. Everybody said it kept growing. It kept growing. And I don't see anything in there except they keep preaching who Jesus was. They don't preach uh, you know, four steps to a miracle. They don't, they're not preaching any of it. They're just preaching about Jesus and what happened to him and who he is and what can be done when you believe. That's, that's the book of Acts. That, that's what it is. And so they, they finish in chapter three, you know, the miracles noted in chapter four, the persecution begins. Everybody say persecution. If you're going to be this kind of church, you would be persecuted. But Jesus said it in John 16, right before he left. He said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. Everybody say, well, we know it. So when it happens, we don't fall apart. We recognize it as warfare. Everybody say warfare. But greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. And warfare is just the chance for us to put the devil in his place. Amen. It's not a chance for us to give up and sit down and go sit in a corner and say, well, where is God? God is in you. And so we have that opportunity to begin to speak that word into their lives. So that, that, when that persecution began, they prayed for boldness. They prayed for boldness. Now, at this point, they're just threats. By chapter 5, um, you know, it's, it's beginning to get more serious. And, uh, and the, the religious people are really becoming... Um, Concerned because the only thing they know about these people and the only thing they say about them is we can tell they've been with Jesus. Say, that's a good thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've been with Jesus. 
if you've been with Jesus, if Jesus is in you, then, you know, the enemy doesn't, uh, he's afraid of you. Now, I know he's convinced you to be afraid of him, but he is afraid of you. He's afraid of what you know. So if you don't know much, he's not very afraid of you. But the more you know, the more afraid of you he becomes. How many of you have noticed the greater you grow in God, the more upset the enemy seems like, you know, I got saved and all hell broke loose. Before that, everything was fine. Yeah, well, you were going to hell. That's why everything was fine. <laughs> Devil didn't care. But once you get saved, then the enemy says, oh, my goodness, now we got to start doing something to try to steal that, steal that assurance they have on the inside and try to tell them it's not right. You, he can never steal what's in you. He can, he can steal what, what you think about what's in you. As long as you believe, he cannot take it from you. And so in the, in the book of uh, Acts chapter 5, we see, um, you know, a lesson. Everybody say, don't lie to the Holy Ghost. That's all we need to say about that. That ended in really a bad situation. Um, the, in chapter 4, it says they, all ha they had all things in common, and they began to have great grace and great power. Everybody say unity. You know, it's not unity of we all want to do it the same way. It's unity of the spirit. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. We have to have unity of the spirit. What does that mean? We believe what the word of God says about truth. Everybody say truth. Now, we may not all say it the same way. We may not all express it the same way. But, you know, just because I like, you know, we're looking to carpet the, the blaze over there. And, uh, you know, I, I, Dan Peter, I gave him the samples. I said, pick something. And he said, well, don't we have to ask, you know, should we ask some other people? I said, no, we don't want a committee. There's nothing worse than a committee. Because committees all have different ways of doing it. I said, you're over there. I don't care what color it is. I just don't want it to look the way it looks right now. <laughs> so let's just get new carpet. And you're over there. And you lead over there. So pick the carpet and we'll put it in. How many of you know God doesn't get committees together? He assigns people and appoints people and puts them in position and says, that's the way it is. So we may all do things a little differently. We may be assigned to do it differently than another person. But unity of the spirit, everybody say unity of the spirit. You can't change what the word of God says and call that all right. And so, you know, I just use that carpet thing because a lot of churches have had almost church splits over, you know, what color we're going to paint something. And uh, everybody say, that's, that's really silly. I mean, you know, there's people being lost and going to hell every day. You know, if the carpet's black or blue, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Just so they can fall on it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody can catch them. Praise the Lord. And I don't want them to fall in a bunch of old carpet <laughs> or no carpet at all. But you, you, do you understand what I'm saying? We cannot call that unity because we can't get an agreement about things like that. What we do get an agreement about is that this is the truth of the word of God. Jesus said, I will build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say the carpet will be green. So we concentrate on what our real warfare is. And our real for, where, for warfare, <laughs> warfare is with powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Amen. When we get that taken care of, then we can debate the color of the carpet. Okay. So everybody say empowerment. 
in the first four verses, we see a people, an ordinary people, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In, in chapter 5, uh, they begin to increase, the Bible says. The believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. They were empowered. They became influencers. Everybody say influencers. The reason I know they influenced is because they got thrown in jail. Can I say that again? If they weren't an influence, they would not have ended up in jail. They were influencing people for the truth of who Jesus was and what he had done. And people began to connect to that truth. And that upset the religious people. By, by chapter uh, 5, it says, Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, they're Sadducee because they don't believe in heaven. So they're sad, you see? Okay. And they were filled with indignation. Everybody say indignation. They were, why would you be in, in, in indignation because people got healed? Why would you be in indignation because people were being added to the church? Just above this, it says that the, the people esteemed them highly, but the religious rulers did not. And they, because of jealousy, they were filled with indignation and they laid their hands on the apostles. This is not for healing and put them in a common prison. They threw them in jail. Now, first they threatened them, but when it didn't stop and it kept growing, they threw them in jail and the persecution began. I tell you, we are living this right now. The enemy is persecuting the church. ISIS is killing Christians. That is the devil killing people who love God. Everybody say that's persecution. That is persecution. So it's, it, it's, it, and now it's not just thrown in jail. They're actually beheading them. And we read it in the paper and we hear it on the news every day of the evil that is really rising up. Why do you think that's happening? Because the spirit of God is rising up and the enemy is showing his face. He will be, he will be soundly defeated because Jesus has already done it. And so he really is just showing himself, but he is defeated by the blood of Jesus. And then it goes on. It says, but at night they threw him in prison. An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And you know what they said? Now go hide in the woods because there's people after you. And we don't want you to be destroyed. That's not what they said. The angel of the Lord said, go stand up in the temple and speak to the people. All the words, all the words of this life. Everybody say the wonderful works of God. That's what they spoke. That's what they spoke when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, the wonderful works of God and who he is. That's witnessing. Everybody say witnessing. It comes out of the spirit, but the influence becomes so great that finally um, they say to him then in verse 28 of chapter five, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. That was the real problem. You know, uh, the devil is all about self. And so, uh, you know, it's a narcissistic spirit. But, you know, really, it wasn't about the doctrine as much as it was, look, you're trying to blame us for this. And they were upset. And it says, we ought to obey God rather than man. That was their response. And then they finally said in verse 32, and we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And so it continues on and it says they were daily in the temple and in every house. They did not cease teaching and preaching 
Jesus as the Christ. That's the end of chapter 5. Well, by the time we get to chapter 6, they have so many people. Everybody say, this is the church that God raised up. There were so many people that they couldn't take care of all the people. So they had to make a decision of how they were going to organize the church. Now, some people say, you know, God, we don't want to hinder the spirit. Everybody say, organization (laughs) does not hinder the spirit. It allows the spirit to be able to do more, not to hinder things. You know, uh, as I've grown in the Lord over the years and 30-some years in ministry, you know, you have the people who just want to flow. And then you have the people who want to organize. And it's like they're, you know, it's like they're two different people from, you know, two different planets. God, God does both. He can do that, you know. He really can. He can flow with order. Now, that's not to say, you know, one night up here on, the, on this platform, very platform, I was up here, and I don't know what got into me, but I started rapping. Now, you know, I'm a little old to be rapping, but I was, I was grooving. I mean, I had it, you know, I was, and I was a going, I was a rapping, got so excited, I went like this, my shoe fell off and <laughs> flew over there and hit somebody. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, that was the flow. <laughs> It may not have looked like the flow, but the whole place was ignited if you were here. The power of God hit the place. Now, what if, what if I said, oh, you know, I don't rap? Well, I don't rap, but I'm convinced God does because I rapped, and I don't know how, and it was really good. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, even the rapper people would have thought, wow, that lady, you know, she's a rapper, and, and I'm not a rapper, <laughs> But I do like to. I did it with my grandkids the other night, and they just cracked up. I don't know what got into me. I think I have kind of an anointing for rapping. I don't know. But, but anyway, everybody say this. God, God loves people. He wants people to be joyful. He wants people to come alive. He doesn't want church to be a place where everybody's sitting there, thus saith the Lord. Because you know why? There are people that that only becomes condemnation to. God has a way of reaching people that's way beyond us. And if we become so religious that it can only be one way, that's what happened in the book of Acts. But they couldn't contain it. It grew so big that they had to decide what to do to organize it so they could take care of all the people. Everybody say, this is how the church runs. Every church has to have good organization. And so it says, the 12 summoned the multitudes of disciples. Now there's multitudes. Everybody say multitudes. There's not just one disciple or two or three or 12. There are multitudes of disciples. And so they, they bring them in and they said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, let's seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the, full of the what? And wisdom, whom we may point over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Why? Because that was their part. But they had to have time to do that. And then it says, and say the same pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen. Everybody say Stephen. A man full of faith and Holy Spirit. Full of faith. Everybody say full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, we hear about him later, uh, Prochorus, well, you know, the rest of those guys, a proselyte, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. I can't say their names, but there were seven. Everybody say seven. seven. Why? Because that's what they felt to do. And they pointed this seven to 
take care of the needs of the multitudes. Now, I'm sure under them, there were other people helping them. A whole system was set up to take care of all the people. But they were all, everybody say they were all, filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, they could not take care of the needs of the people. Uh, and, and then they, besides being filled with the Holy Spirit, they were uh, full of wisdom. Everybody say full of wisdom. Well, you don't get full of wisdom by, uh, you know, standing around reading uh, love stories. You get filled with wisdom by reading the Word of God. Can I say that again? There's a lot of people reading a lot of stuff who are the church. There's a lot of people watching a lot of stuff. But that's not how you get filled and put in a position to help other people. Because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with wisdom. And they begin to act as a team. Everybody say team. So now we have empowered influencers that we're putting together in a team. Okay? We're, we're building a church. We're building a church. And in chapter 6, this team is now the apostles, these seven leaders that are going to be over all of the others that will minister to the multitudes. Everybody say teamwork. They have to all flow together. I believe that's why it says they have to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because if they're not full of the Holy Spirit, they'll never get in agreement. And then full of wisdom. And it says um, they were people that they knew. They just didn't pick anybody. They picked people they knew. You know, the Bible says, know those who labor among you. And uh, sometimes in, in churches, you know, when the team is picked, there's opportunity for a lot of controversy because people think they've been brought there to do something, but God proves people. Everybody say proves people. And he grows people to fit into that team. And some people in a church are just there to grow and they're going to be launched into other things. They may never be on that team, but they're a part of what God's doing in that situation. So there's all these people, this church is growing more, more and more by the day because it says, and they, they set them before the apostles, the, the, the 12 apostles, and they laid hands on them. Everybody say laid hands on them and they prayed over them. Uh, you know, in the church today, there's a thing called ordination and it's not, it's not to recognize uh, not to say that they're called, it's to say we recognize that you are called. In other words, we see by the fruit of your life that God has really called you to this. It's not just, we're just laying hands on you and now you're going to be this. That's not what that is. They, they picked these seven men and they saw that they were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of wisdom. And so they picked them on that basis, they knew them, and they brought them in, and they put them before the apostles. They laid hands on them, and when they laid hands on them, the anointing that was on them for their office was given into them to go and do the same. Everybody say, go and do the same. And so they then were commissioned, if you want to call it that, to go and be what God had called them to be. Um, it says as a result, everybody says as a result, in, the, in this next verse, in 7, then the word of God spread. Everybody say spread. Now, that's just more, multi that's multiplication. And the number of the disciples multiply greatly in Jerusalem, and great, a great many of the priests, everybody say priests, were obedient to the faith. I thought, well, where were they before? Everybody say the priest should be 
obedient to the faith. So I don't know what that means exactly, except to me, it's that a lot of people who were called in that position begin to obey the calling of God. And they begin to do the thing that God had called them to do. Now, as they did that, um, Stephen specifically uh, became a target. Everybody say a target. He became a target. And uh, he's the first one mentioned. Stephen, a man full of faith and a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in his trial, uh, you know, when they pulled him in, and they began to come against him, he only spoke about God. Read it. He told of the wonderful works of God from Egypt all the way to where they were right then. Everybody say the wonderful works of God. And you, you can read it. It says he, he talks, first he talks about uh, Abraham, and then he talks about the patriarchs of Egypt, and he begins to share all of that. He talks about Moses. He talks about the wonderful works of God in the lives of the Jewish people, what he has done from them from, from the beginning, the promise to Abraham. That was a covenant to all mankind. It got narrowed down. Moses, it was the Israelites. The Israelites became the people of God. He tells about all of that, and he finally says, and you're rebels, how many of you know that could cause a problem? Now, these are the people who've crucified Christ, but he does begin to talk about the rebellion. But in verse 44, it says, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. Everybody say tabernacle of witness. I've never heard it called that, but it's God's true tabernacle, it says in my Bible. As he appointed instructing Moses to make it in the pattern that he had seen. In that tabernacle uh, was the testimony or the witnesses. It was the... Uh, the stone of the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Do you know with the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter six that we are the tabernacle or the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he said we would be witnesses. We are the tabernacle of witness. Turn to say that's me. Everybody say that's me. That's me. The tabernacle and we contain we contain the Holy Spirit of God in order to be able to do that. And then it goes on. He finally says in verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears. Now, I'm sure that caused a problem. And then he said, you always resist the, who do you resist? You resist the Holy Spirit. You know, it says there's only one sin from which you cannot return. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you I have the full revelation of it all, but I do know the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, the third person, everybody say person, of the, of the Trinity. And he has been given to the church that we might be who God called us to be. And God does not take his position lightly. He has given him that authority in our lives. So it says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? He goes on, he says all this stuff. And then... This is the last part of his life. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, everybody say full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, that did upset him. They stopped their ears. They ran at, one, at him with one accord. They cast him out. And the witnesses against him, everybody say false witnesses. They, they laid his clothes at the feet of Saul, which we'll talk about. 
uh, later, and, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Not do something with these people. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. That was what Jesus said on Calvary. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The persecution of the enemy should never be to a place where we deny who he is. Because we are going to be persecuted. But if the, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, everybody say full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say commitment. You know, uh, Valentine's Day is coming and I don't have much time here left, but I would like to say this. Commitment in our world today is not what commitment was in the word of God. Stephen was committed unto death. You know, that used to be a part of marriage vows until death do we part. Now, listen, I was divorced twice before I got right with God and I married my husband, so I'm not throwing stones. But I am saying this, God loves marriage. And he says in Malachi, I hate divorce. There's a reason for that. There's children, godly seed. Everybody say godly seed. And it talks about that. And I don't have time to teach it tonight. But one of the biggest challenges we have today is commitment. Everybody say commitment. Uh, and this is, it, this is taken really um, out of my leadership Bible, but I believe it with all my heart. Commitment, it says Jesus, uh, Stephen kept his eyes on Jesus, which was truth. Everybody say truth. You know, my husband's been teaching that and sharing uh, over and over again that we have to stay focused in the day that we're living in or we'll be diverted from the things of God. It's more than just being diverted. It's being able to hold fast to our confession of faith when the persecution comes against us. And um, commitment, it says, moves past mind and emotions. That's why the Bible says Romans in Romans 12, 1 and 2, renew your mind to the truth of the word of God so you'll do the perfect will of God. The perfect will, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It goes straight to the will. You know, when Jesus was in that garden, he, he didn't, it says he sweat tears of blood. So his emotions were involved. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Thy will be done. He was past mind, past emotions. He was totally into the will of God, just like Stephen when he was martyred. Um, the results when your mind and emotions, uh, when they're together, when they're in unity, you move forward regardless of the cost, because you're set on the will of God, the truth. And so there were these five things that talk about developing commitment. I'm going to leave you with these. It starts with the heart. If there's not commitment in the heart, there will never be any achievement accomplished. If it starts with the heart to develop commitment, it starts with a heart decision. It starts with a decision that we make in agreement with the will and plan of God. It is tested by action. Everybody say action. You know, there's a lot of people who say a lot of things, but their, their actions don't line up with their talk. Uh, it says there, it's the really only real measurement of the commitment is the action that goes with it, not the talk. Uh, it opens a door for accomplishment because once you're committed, everybody say committed, the resources come. You know, like uh, when, when B Pastor Bill and I got married, once I was married to him and the commitment was made, all his resources became mine. 
He didn't have any. <laughs> he just had some debt, but those became mine. <laughs> and, and because once the commitment was made, everything we had became ours. Once you commit to Jesus Christ, you get in a covenant with him, then everything you have belongs to him and everything he has belongs to you. You're good and you're bad. Well, of course, he just brings all the good to the table. But you become in a covenant, a commitment. Um, it enables us to make decisions. You know, when you're committed, you're not trying to figure out, do I want to do it or don't I? Does it feel good or doesn't it? Do I really like that or don't I? You're committed. Everybody say committed. And so the decision is made not based on how you feel, not based on how you think, but it's based on what you know to be the truth of the will of God. So decisions become uh, easier for us to make. It, it becomes the basis of is it worth, is it worth dying for? Flourishes with public accountability. Um, and, and I want to finish with this. See, when you get saved, the Bible says that we confess God before men. Why do we do that? Because when we make that commitment before men, it says when we do that, God honors that commitment. In other words, we're, we're identifying ourselves with Christ. We are making a commitment, and, and we're, then we're accountable. How many of you have not wanted to tell somebody, I'm on a diet, but don't tell, I don't want to tell anybody? Because what if I don't lose weight? But how many of you know if you say, yes, I am committed to da 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 then there's a lot of people saying, did you do it? And so it, when, when, you, when you receive Christ, there's also a lot of people who can say, I remember the day you gave your heart to Jesus. The devil may be telling you that, but that's not truth. This is the way it really is. You belong to God. I saw you. You confessed that before men. And so I can help you flourish in that because I know what you said. Amen? Let's stand. We'll finish more of this next week. Uh, Father, I thank you tonight for the, for the ones that are here, and I thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that is in us to bring truth to uh, our spirit and bring light. I thank you that um, the Lord just gave me this. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> there is a new sheriff, by the way, in our city, a county sheriff. I mean, the, de the head sheriff of the county. But in your life, when Jesus comes, there is a new sheriff in town. It's called, his name's the Holy Spirit. And, and once he gets in there, he will never leave you alone. He will never leave you alone. How many of you know that's true? <laughs> you know, how, how many of you have ever tried to want him to leave you alone, but he just won't go away? <laughs> he isn't doing that to hurt you. He's doing that to lead you into God's best. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight for everyone here. And I thank you that the church that you said you would build is built by people who are standing here tonight. We're a part of that church. It's true that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. That means you knew about us from the very beginning. And, and this is our time. This is our season. This is, this is the set time of the Lord for our lives. And we're in the earth for such a time as this for a purpose and a destiny. But it's very important that our obedience to you and to who you are in us begins to take root and become strong and what you said in your word Lord to be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord 
that you have done that for us through Jesus, that we have the opportunity to be that. I pray for everyone in this room today and anybody who might be listening to this message that they will determine in their heart to let the Holy Spirit begin to speak into their life. Just like you said, Lord, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm, my Father, He'll give it to you and, and you will not be left orphans. If you're here tonight and you feel like, you know, I'm just alone. I mean, I, I, I've received Jesus, but I feel alone. That's because you haven't yet heard and begun to listen to the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. Because it says he will teach you all things and he'll show you things that you don't even know. Situations and circumstances. How many of you tonight have situations and circumstances that you, you need answers for? Can I just see your hand? I mean, you have to make some decisions. Yeah, stick them up really high. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you right now for these hands that are up. Okay, now, I want believers to look around. I want you to put your hand on somebody who has their hand up. JC had her hand up. Others over here, over here. Lord, we just agree tonight that by the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, they will begin to hear what God is saying to do in these situations. I want everybody to say this. I hear the voice of God. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I hear what God wants me to know. I receive by faith tonight what I need to know for this decision. Those of you laying hands on them, I want you to begin to pray that they'll hear and they will know in Jesus' name. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit of God. Begin to pray in the Spirit of God that they will hear. There will be no question in Jesus' name in their mind that they have heard from the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that, that right now, right now in their mind, they, they, they begin to hear clearly what is in their spirit, that they hear it and they have understanding in their mind of what, what the Lord is speaking to them. And that they set their face like a flint to do exactly what you're telling them to do, even though it may not make sense to their natural mind. But they will be obedient and take that step and do what you're telling them to do right now. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.